Hi there, I'm Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning. I always love it when March rolls around because this is when schools across the country celebrate, encourage, and have fun while exploring the world through reading. The catalyst begins often with Dr. Seuss' birthday, which brings out the red and white stripes and the outlandish characters, but it really comes down to this. The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you will go. In his book, A Father Reads to His Children, author Orville Prescott says, few children learn to love books by themselves. Someone has to lure them into the wonderful world of the written word. Someone has to show them the way. That opportunity to show them the way can be yours. It's a pleasure for me to introduce you to Terry Decker. Terry was born legally blind, yet she has enjoyed a successful career as a teacher, a tutor, a learner, a reader, and an explorer of words and works that have given her the power to change the world around her. She's got some ideas of what it was that helped her become successful as a reader. Welcome to the podcast, Terry. <laughs> you make me sound wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, so, so we're, we're good with that. Wonderful is right where we're heading. How old were you when you realized that you didn't see like others? I was probably three or four watching friends run and play when at two and three, I was, my mom says, because I don't remember, that I used to have to get down on my hands and knees and crawl over the cracks in the sidewalk, you know, the squares in the sidewalk, because I didn't have depth perception to be able to tell how deep or how broad those cracks were. And then as I got used to my world, I got so that I could walk and and then eventually even rode a little trike and a little bit older. You know, I, I mean, I progressed from grace to grace, I guess, you know. That's interesting. So you could distinguish light and dark, mm -hmm. some object shapes maybe. You knew that something was a little different. Yeah, I don't think I understood that, especially as a child, that how different I was from other children until I got into school. I was blessed beyond belief to have my grandmother lived with us, and my mother was a working mother in the early 50s when that was not the norm. But her mother, my grandmother, moved in with us when I was just a few weeks old, and as the first child of my mother, who wouldn't all of a sudden she realized she had, at that point, they thought I was, I was totally blind, and she just didn't feel up to raising a child that had that level of a disability. She brought her mom. My grandmother could do that. And I would say of all of the people in my life that set me on a road to that kind of success, it would have been my grandmother. And what was it about your grandmother that inspired you? Her unconditional love. She never treated me like I was lacking. She never acted like I had a disability. She never treated me like I couldn't. I don't think I understood what other kids could do until... You know, I had to grow into that knowledge because Grandma always had me do things with her. We had an old ringer washing machine at that point. I was really, really little. And I remember helping my grandmother with the, with the wash and helping her pull it out and wring it. And, and she'd put it up on the, the lines, and I was too short for that. But those were the days when she'd take it off the line and then sprinkle them down again and roll them in a ball before we ironed. And then she taught me how to iron. I mean, 
at that point, it was handkerchiefs and pillowcases. And who bothers to iron pillowcases, right? (laughs) A different time. That's right. But that's what I did. I really, with her, I proceeded from grace to grace. I guess that's the easiest way for me to put it, is she just met me where I was and pushed me a little further. Met me where I was. She gave me wings and let me fly. That's beautiful. So your first, your first real teacher is someone who loved you. Yes. Did you enter the traditional public school system? I did. On time? Um, we didn't have public kindergarten. I did go for a few months to a kindergarten in the basement of the Methodist church in our town. But then we moved away from the neighborhood where I had a ride. Mom was working outside the home and stuff. And so I only did a little bit of it. And it was kind of a playish kindergarten anyway. I didn't really learn a whole lot there. But then I went into public school and into a regular first grade. And Mrs. Acord, my first grade teacher, was another one that I loved. But she was a great lady. They had to push my desk literally to the chalk tray so that I could see the blackboard. I don't ever remember feeling like she didn't like me. I never felt put down or ridiculed. I don't, I don't remember having close friends. I don't know if the kids really knew how to deal with me you know, or what I could play or do, but I don't remember feeling badly about that, but I loved my teacher. I loved her. I remember my Dick and Jane books. I remember, you know, being in, I remember she had an art easel, and that when we got our work done, we could take turns, and we had, she had these big old smocks, and we could get to paint on, do watercolors on this, on this big easel, and so her classroom was one of exploring and loving and learning. So when you learned to read, did it come easily for you? Yes, because my grandmother had read to me so much when I was little, and I memorized poems. She used to say poems, and I will, to this day, I will never forget, at least some of, little orphan nannies come to our house to stay to wash the cups and saucers and brush the crumbs away, and a whole <laughs> little story of little awesome. orphan nanny, and, and she used to do that, and we had, we had the old child craft mom and dad invested in a set of child craft books. And volume one was poems. And I practically had the whole first section practically memorized. But my grandmother used to read me those nursery rhymes. And then we used to say them so often that I knew them. I knew those poems so well because we read them all the time, sitting on the couch next to my grandmother and that well-worn book in my arms. And I've got it. It's a treasure to me. Because I read it with my grandma. There's a great history and a love, obviously, and you developed a passion for it. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for you to start looking at a career and helping other people, was it that influence that led you toward reading and teaching? Or what was your primary influence there? I started off actually wanting to be a writer, and I, I majored in journalism. My first undergraduate degree is actually in journalism. But somehow being the mild-mannered reporter that can't drive a car didn't quite cut it while <laughs> well, getting from place to place. And then and you can't get to be the editor until you've gone through those ranks. And so I had to kind of think again. And I was worried that my vision would make it difficult for me to handle a regular classroom. But I managed. I'm not saying there weren't challenges along those lines now and again. I actually, my just after my senior year in high school and before I started my freshman year in college, my vision was such that the, the Lions Club paid for me to go to Little Rock, Arkansas to a college prep thing that they did for children who were blind or who were going blind. I traveled with three other kids and they were learning to cope with and They were all kids my age who were going to have to go away to college, and how would they navigate that scene? And 
one of the things that we got was a semester or a quarter's credit of freshman English. And the professor, who is an English teacher from the College of the Ozarks in Arkansas, and he asked me one day, because I did really well in English and reading, and I had an easier time than many of the other kids that were there, because I, was, I had more sight than some of the kids. Most, many of them were totally blind. If I could hold the book close enough, I could read most anything. I said, well, I would really like to teach, but I'm really afraid that my vision might impair that. And he said, well, can you see across the room? And I said, well, yeah, I can see the walls. I can see people. And he said, ah, you can teach. And so I did. Wow. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. you just never know what somebody's little suggestion will make. Oh, you can teach. And that encouragement, even though you can't drive a car, can't navigate from place to place, you can teach a child to love reading because you did. Because I did. Absolutely. You have often worked with students who who have challenges. Mm What are some things that you do to inspire them? I think one of the first things I do what my grandmother did. I make sure that, that a part of each lesson, usually at the end, because it's kind of la pièce de résistance, is to read aloud and to share a book. And I let them pick the story or the kind of story and make some suggestions and let them choose. And then I make sure I either have two copies or that we can sit side by side with a large enough copy that they can see too. And then we read that story together and we talk about it. Talking about the books that you read and those stories is one of the best ways to teach comprehension. As you ask questions about what you read and what do you think is going to happen next? And well, why do you think the character made that decision? Or what do you think about this character? Is it going to be a good guy or a bad guy? And just those little conversation things teach children to love books and love the power of words, but also to comprehend the written word and to understand and to be able to verbalize that. And then as they talk about it, it also cements the story in their minds so that they learn those memory skills that a lot of times struggling readers struggle with that memory depending on what their disability is. So exposing them to them, rereading, reading out loud, letting them hear the word, talking about foreshadowing or things that is coming up ahead or things that they've done in the past, it just makes things come to life. Absolutely. And comparing it to them. You know, a lot of times I'll say, well, have you experienced that? What do you think they should do? Why do you think they should do that? Relating it to themselves. You could listen. You know, we live in a world where we can turn on a television, a smartphone. I know you use a smartphone, right? Mm -hmm. When you could listen now and, you know, here we are. We're sitting here on a podcast. We can can (laughs) listen to things. Why is it important to keep that skill of reading alive? There's something about the act of turning the page, of looking at those words, that, number one, it helps you just retain it and remember it. I listen to podcasts, but other than a few nubbins here and there, I really couldn't tell you a lot of what is said. But there's something about putting those words in front of you and making the physical effort to read the words. And even better, if it's something that you really like, if it belongs to you, to even taking a pencil or a marker a highlighter and being able to color it and saying, I want to remember that. That's important. Either because it's important to learn because you don't want to remember that or even because it's just beautiful language. The physical act of reading it sticks with you. It imprints on you in a way that that just hearing it doesn't imprint on you. That's interesting because I can remember sometimes where that was on a page, I read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah, know which page, I but I, I know where it was on a page. <laughs> yeah, I've done the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. What are some things that you could offer parents some ideas? Maybe they want to be an example. Maybe they're not into reading. What are some encouragements we can offer them to start in their home with themselves that maybe can help with their children? 
I'd say, number one, they just have to be committed to doing it. You know, they just have to decide my children and their education and their and the growth of their brains seriously is worth a few minutes a day. And maybe it's only 15 or 20 minutes, but to make it a special time right before they go to bed is really a good time to read to them. Or in the morning when they get up, find a time so that it's a consistent time every day that children can look forward to. Mom's going to read to me or dad's going to read to me and he does it, they do it at this time of day. One of my best friends read to her children clear through high school. In that special time, just before they'd go to sleep at night, they read fun books together. When the Harry Potter series came out, families got into that together. And children who knew that those stories were there, but listening to their parents read it just made the world of difference to them. I knew when I was teaching fourth and fifth grade, which I did for years and years, and I was doing that about the time the first Harry Potter books came out, when I saw some little third or fourth grader walking around with this ginormous (laughs) thick book in their hands, but that look on their face said, look at me, I'm a reader. And because if they could read Harry Potter, they could read anything. And that's how they felt. That was, it just empowered them. Those memories that the parents can make with their children at a consistent time, relaxed and not getting upset, not getting nervous. It doesn't matter what you read, read together and make it an enjoyable thing. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that the time to study heavy things. Make it something they'll really love. And it can be really short and let them choose. Tonight, I'll read you two books instead of one. Well, two books can take, you know, it might take five minutes to read a book. You can make it from five minutes to 10 minutes, not a big deal, but it's one-on-one time. Just the fact of reading the book says, you are important to me, I am important to you. It just becomes so special to the children and it cements those relationships. I swear it's the thing that started my relationship with my grandmother was sitting on that couch reading those nursery rhymes. I've had a really neat opportunity in the last couple of years to work with some children that just were not being successful in the public schools after COVID and the changes that happen in, in the classrooms as they tried, as teachers, bless their hearts, I'm, the changes that have come have not been positive ones for the most part. I'm thinking of one little boy on a special ed IEP, very bright, dyslexic, and dyslexic children actually are very bright children. And he could tell you about anything. He was very well aware. He was very, well, very well aware of his surroundings and and things, but his behavior was awful. And his mother was deeply frustrated. I watched that little boy who told me as a second grader in age saying, I can't read, I can't read. In about the 10 months that I worked with him, we got him to be a reader that is that was reading on his own at home. And his mother was an avid reader. It's not that it's not that she didn't do a lot of these things, but because of kind of a dual disability, both the, both his dyslexia and his attention deficit. Now she walks into his bedroom and sees him sitting there reading. But I just watching him change. Thanks, Terry Decker, for sharing your story with us today. In the podcast notes, I'm including some learning liftoff links to further your exploration in how to develop an interest and then a love for reading. I hope you'll go and enjoy a great book together. Let's keep on learning. Thank you for listening to K-12 On Learning, sponsored by Stride. To learn more about online public schools powered by Stride K-12, Stride career prep programs that foster lifelong learning, or any of the private school or individual course offerings, please go to stridelearning.com or k12.com. 
Special thanks to Tree K Studios for providing the music for us. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave us a good review. We hope you'll join us next time for K-12 on Learning.